every day I stand in awe of the gifts that God has given him. Um, thank God that he sent someone here to, to help our church as we move forward. Would you say amen? I'm anxious to get into the word today. As you can see on the screen, we're continuing our series, Rethink Church. Rethink Church. And I want to immediately get right into it. Let's go to the next slide for me. I'm not sure who I have in there today, but I'm always thankful. Alicia, praise the Lord. Um, this is a, a really a, a, the longest series that I've ever done because what I've attempted to do is try to preach the entire Bible in phases. We have not preached every book, but we've tried to cover the Bible in phases. And, and really, there are seven, how many did I say, everybody? Seven. There are seven phases of the salvation story. Hopefully by now we've said this enough that it's getting in your psyche, in your heart, in your mind. Um, this is really um, the thing that separates us from any other belief system is that meta-narrative or that, that story, that story that we call the great controversy. Every doctrine that we believe is sort of under the umbrella of the great controversy. Would you say amen? I, I, want, I want you to be clear on that. Every single doctrine. As a matter of fact, I'll be preaching today on where this thing is going, and it's really difficult to understand who you are in Christ, uh, what the Bible really is all about. It's, it's tough to make sense of the Bible when you don't see the Bible as a whole, as an entire picture, as a story from pre-creation to creation to conflict to God's covenant, which is God's promise that I will save you, and he kept his promise. How many know we serve a promise-keeping God? And he sent Christ, Jesus Christ. How many still get happy when you hear his name? You still get excited about it? And then I love this in, in John 14. He says, it's, it's better that I go. He said, I came for a purpose, but I can't stay forever. I need to go because there's some stuff I want to do in you. And John 14 says, it's going to be greater. I'm going to do greater things in you. And then I was meditating on a verse, posted it on Facebook when I saw it. You know how you read a Bible verse? And you've read it before, and then the Holy Spirit has a way of, of having you to have, like, fresh eyes at yes, it again. Sir. Yes, sir. And in that same chapter, the Lord said, he said, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my, 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 whatever. He said, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. And we praise God for that. The church is God's body on the planet. We are literally going to do greater things than Jesus did because the Lord has literally multiplied himself into millions and billions of people. Would you say amen? amen. As we press on down to the final conflict, we look forward to the recreation. How many want to go to heaven? How many are really excited about that? Amen. Four, no, you're, you're on target. There are four stages to church history as we've been in the sections, particularly on church. We'll go to recreation after this. Four stages in church history. Very simply are, the church was what, y'all? Formed. Then the church was what, everybody? And then the church had to be. And then the church currently right now is being what? It's going to be restored. In other words, God is trying to put the church in perfect position for the worst time in earth's history. It's important that we get restored back to the image of Jesus Christ now because there are some things that are about to take place that the Bible has prophesied. There are some things that the Bible has prophesied that are about to take place where the Bible says, if possible, the elect are going to be deceived. We are quickly 
and rapidly approaching that time. And one of the things I like to say so that people do not get into date setting, we got to be careful with that. We do know that Jesus is coming soon. How many, how many know that? We do know that. We recognize that. Prophecy is being fulfilled. We do understand these things. However, uh, what is more imminent than the coming of Christ is your own mortality. You know, it's very possible. It's possible um, that Christ may delay his coming for another hundred years. We don't know. We don't know. The Bible says not even the, none of the angels know. Son does not even know, the Bible says. We don't know. Amen? Come on, somebody. We don't know when the Lord is coming. And I'm glad the Lord didn't tell us. Come on, say amen. We don't know. But the purpose of prophecy is not to prepare us for the last days. The purpose of prophecy is to prepare you for right now. See, if prophecy only gets your mind about then, then it hasn't done its job. The purpose of prophecy is to prepare your life right now. If something is about to happen, then you need to get ready now. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to be ready now. Some of us may not make it to that time. Some of, some of y'all better pray that you don't go through the plagues. Come on, say amen. The Bible says there's going to be a time of trouble such as never was. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I mean, look, I don't know if I want to be. You know, there's certain ones that the Lord has chosen to go through that. Some of us will not be able to handle those things. Some of us ain't spiritual enough to be able to handle those times. All I know is, is that I want to be in Christ, not then, but now. Come on, say amen. And so God is trying to restore his church to prepare us uh, for his coming and for our own mortality. We need to be ready right now. Come on, say amen. Last week, we talked about salt and light. Last week, we talked about salt and light and the purpose of the church to make an impact to be influential to be influential to be influential and there are several things that we looked at when we talked about what God is restoring number one God is restoring the word as the only rule of faith number two God is restoring salvation by faith alone number three God is restoring what everybody Christ in his people number four God is trying to restore in these last days works of service which equals spiritual maturity And number five, God is trying to restore in his people to be living Bibles. The Bible says we are to be living epistles. Some folks will never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they will read our lives. God wants us to take that responsibility. Would you say amen? Uh, Number six, God is trying to restore love as our irresistible influence. The scripture says that the thing that is going to distinguish God's people in these last days, in, in time period, he said, by this, John 13, 34 and 35, by this, this is a primary source, primary text, primary proof text, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. How? That you have love for one another. And we do believe that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. Would you say amen? Salt and light. Salt and light is what God is calling us to. And so if we are to be salt and light, we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to make life better. And hopefully our lives will be so inspiring and so powerful. The story of God in our lives will inspire people's thirst for God. And we need to remember that we have been strategically placed to make an impact. How many believe that where you are right now is where God wants you to be and that you are there for a specific purpose and for a specific assignment? Rejoice in that. Come on, praise the Lord today that we serve a God of purpose. Luke 17 talks about how important it is for us to embrace that purpose. And it says this. It says, whoever is not with me is against me. And watch this, y'all. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. If our lives are not intentionally, listen, this is word, y'all. If our lives are not intentionally focused on gathering, 
reaching people for Christ. Your life. Think about your life. What are you doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What are you doing with your time? Is your time devoted to gathering? The Bible says if it's not, you are scattering. You see that, y'all? Whoever is not with me is against me. There's no middle ground. There's no, I'm trying to figure it out. God says, if you ain't with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering, what are you doing, everybody? You're scattering. You're scattering. And, and, and many of us don't even realize we're being a hindrance to the things of God, not because we're doing anything bad, but we're not really doing enough good. Come on. We're not doing enough good. God help us. Come on, say amen. Today I want to preach on the subject prophetic worship. Prophetic worship. God wants to restore in his church prophetic worship. Let's go to the main text for this morning. That's Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11. I don't have time to give you too much context today, but what I can tell you is the book of Revelation is divided into three sections. First section is the seven churches. The next section is the seven seals. And the rest of the book of Revelation is about God unloosing the sealed book so that we can see what the plan of God is in these last days. God has literally given us a window into the future. And today, if you don't mind, I want to take some time to take a look at the issues that are really at stake as we get a picture of what we are getting ready to face. And I want to look at Revelation. There's so much talk about Seventh-day Adventism these days, right? Thanks to Ben Carson. There's a lot of talk about that. Folks are trying to figure out who we are. Yes, sir. Donald Trump said, oh, it's middle of the road. Uh, what is a seven-day Adventist? He don't know. Uh, he don't know. <laughs> well, it was also, Donald Trump also on TV the other day didn't know what his favorite Bible verse was either. I don't know if anybody saw that. <laughs> he said, what's your favorite Bible verse? I like, I like uh, Old and New Testament. He couldn't figure it out. I said, man, John 3.16, pick something, you know. <laughs> he said, it's very private. It's very private. And now, now he's trying to call out Ben Carson, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, Nevertheless, uh, hopefully by the grace of God today, I can help us to understand um, what particularly we need to have internally in order to prepare for what we're going to see in Revelation, the 13th chapter. I don't really have time to look at the whole chapter. I could do a whole year just on this alone. But if you don't mind, I'm just going to look at at verses 11 and onward. Revelation 13. Let me read this in your hearing. Let me read this in your hearing because I want you to get the import of what is being said. This is a crucial passage. Revelation 12, 13, 14, 15, and onward, in my opinion, are these most important chapters in the Bible as it pertains to what is happening right now. These passages of Scripture ought to be understood. They ought to be known. And with the time that we have remaining, I want to look at these, these passages. So I'm going to read in your hearing, all right? The Bible says, and this is from the New International Version, Revelation 13. Then I saw a second beast, a second beast. So because I don't have time to get into everything, the first beast represents the papacy, papal Rome, a religious spiritual institution that we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about the church being deformed. You guys remember that, right? So now after seeing the, the, the Roman pontiff, the papacy, dominating much of Christian history, then now we're taking a step forward in the trajectory of history, and God is now moving us a little further. The last time we looked at the history of the church, we pretty much ended around the 1700s. Now God is moving us a little further, and it's amazing how the Bible covers every area of history 
even to the end of time. So now the first beast we know is Roman Catholicism. We talked, remember when the Pope was here, we kind of talked about the church being deformed for 1260 years. It was being deformed. In other words, false doctrine, uh, Bibles were removed, persecution was happening, a myriad of things that caused a need for a reformation, Protestant reformation. In other words, we needed to reform some of the false teaching And so now the Bible in Revelation 13, if you read Revelation 12, Revelation 12 actually takes us to this place, shows us the dragon. In Revelation, this is amazing. In Revelation 12, we see the dragon going after the woman. The woman is who, y'all? Woman is the church. So the dragon is going after the woman, trying to destroy the church throughout history. This is Satan's design. He couldn't kill Jesus. So he goes after the next best thing, Christ in us. We're very special to God. Satan knows that. Matter of fact, every time you're attacked by Satan, it should be a reminder just how special, just how special you are to God. He knows that. And so the Bible says in Revelation 12 that the, that the dragon was literally standing on the sea, looking next on what his next strategy was. Why? Because when he tried to destroy the church, Carl, he could not. So he was figuring out what's my next move in history Then the Bible says he infiltrated the church. He said, if I can't beat them, I'll do what, y'all? I'll join them. And from for 1260 years, the tyranny of religion did more harm than good. And then that beast didn't work. And he said, I will find another one. And here's the second one. The Bible says, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, gentle, attractive, but it spoke like what, y'all? Verse, next verse. Bible says, it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the what, y'all? The first beast, whose fatal, whose fatal, whose fatal uh, wound had been healed. Verse 13, y'all still with me? It performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven. That's a reference to Elijah. In other words, there would be great revival, great revival in this, in this country, this beast, who we'll come to discover momentarily. And the Bible says, uh, uh, from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Verse 14, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered, it ordered, it ordered them to set up an image in honor, in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Verse 15, if you're still with me, would you say amen? The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak. And watch this. I want you to watch this. I believe this is in yellow. It goes on to say, and cause. Watch that. That word implies force and coercion. Force and coercion. Please remember that. Force and coercion. Thus far, we've seen deception and force being used. And cause all who refused to do what, y'all? To worship the image to be what? To be killed. Verse 16, it also forced, it also forced all people. How many y'all? Nobody will be exempt from this according to the scriptures. 
It forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, verse 17, so that they could not, look at coercion again, watch force. Now I'm going to use, I'll threaten to kill you, and, and, I'll, and I'll also impose not only on that, I'll use economic, economic, economic sanctions, the Bible says, so that they could not buy or what, y'all? Unless they had what? The mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Verse 18, this calls for what? Wake up, church. This calls for what? This calls for what, everybody? Not knowledge. Not knowledge. It's very important that you understand this right now. In the last days, as I, in my studies, I've been watching this. The difference between those saved and lost is not going to be knowledge. It's wisdom. <laughs> the Bible calls for it. You see that? The Bible is saying, I need you to get wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Now, how many know that's a scary picture right there? Uh, everybody is going to be forced. Bible. Everybody's going to be forced. Bible. Everybody's going to be forced. Bible. Everybody, everybody will be threatened with death. Everybody at that time. Everybody. And the Bible says y'all need wisdom. Now, I, I like this because the Bible doesn't leave us with, with a bad picture. It gives us good news. Go on over to Revelation 14 just because I need y'all to wake up just a little bit and see that, this, that, that ain't the end of the story, right? So notice, I love the book of Revelation. Revelation always, if you, if you study the book of Revelation, Revelation is always uh, good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. And anytime the bad news is given, a picture of the future of what's going to happen is shown right after that to motivate us to hang in there through the rough times. Come on, say amen. Okay, I just like to say it like this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning, right? God is a God of hope. Now watch this. The Bible says, then I looked. All these chapters are connected. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name. In my studies, I've discovered 144,000 is not a literal number, brothers and sisters. Ain't no literal numbers in Revelation. You can't, you, can't, you can't make the book symbolic, then make it literal. The whole book is symbolic. And the good news is that the 144,000 is another picture of the multitude that no man can number. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And, and, and his father's name, and the name, and his father's name was written where, y'all? In other words, the, the character of God was imprinted in their minds and in their hearts. Keep giving us a description. Keep going. Next verse. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of, uh, was like that of, of harpists playing there. what, y'all? And they, here's the good news. We just saw the bad news. Here's the good news. What's going to happen? And they will sing. And they sang a new song before the throne. And before uh, the four living creatures and the elders no one could learn the song. No one except the 144,000 who had been redeemed, where y'all, from the earth. Now watch this. Here, here, here they are. Here it is. This is giving us a picture of the people that are going to make it. Verse 4. These are those who did not defile themselves with women. Again, we're not looking at literal stuff here. The Bible is not talking about physical virginity. 
The Bible is saying, uh, for they remain virgins. This is a spiritual idea of purity. Purity. Now watch this. Here they go. Here's the kind of character that one needs to have in order to make it in the last days. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. If you follow Jesus wherever he goes, you cannot be lost. The nature of a person that is going to make it in the last days is a person who is crazy enough to follow Jesus wherever he goes. How many have been following Jesus long enough to know that sometimes Jesus will take you on the scenic route? Sometimes Jesus will take you through difficult places. The Bible says, matter of fact, the Bible says, he says, uh, those that are going to be saved are those that came out of great tribulation. Jesus led, he intentionally led us through tribulation. The mindset of the person that's going to make it through the mark of the beast. The mindset of a person that's going to make it through time of trouble. The mindset of a person that's going to make it through 2015 right now is a person that's made up their mind, come hell or high water, uh, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. I don't, I, don't, I don't care where the route is. I don't care where the, where, the, where the exits are. I'm not concerned about the side streets. If I follow him, I cannot be lost. And the focus is really on Jesus. If I follow Jesus... I can't be lost. Oh, man. All right, so let's get into this really quickly, and I'm going to take my seat. So prophetic worship, what does this mean? One of the things you'll notice, especially the issue, the issue, the issue. Listen, everybody. The issue in the last days is one thing. It's the issue of worship. If you read Revelation 12, 13, and 14, y'all know Revelation 14 gives the three angels messages. There's really six angels in Revelation uh, 14. talks about the harvest at the end, but nevertheless... Um, the, the main issue is an issue of worship. The first message, fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and do what, y'all? Worship him. Then go on to the next one, Babylon is fallen, come out of her. Then the next one is, is don't worship the beast or receive their mark. The issue in the last days, please don't miss this, and I want you, you got to frame this within the context of your life, is an issue of prophetic worship. Come on, come on. The fight between Christ and Satan is a fight for your worship. Uh, Romans says it like this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies or your life as a living sacrifice, holy, watch this, and acceptable. What is acceptable to God? Not worship services. What is acceptable to God? Showing up to church on Saturday? I don't think so. What is acceptable to God? Uh, Lifting my hands in worship. No. What is acceptable to God? Singing loudly. No. What is acceptable to God? Singing softly. No. What is acceptable to God? Reading my Bible only? No. What What is acceptable to God is a life of worship that is totally sacrificial, that abandons one's own way of doing things totally. It is literally death worship. It's when somebody has come to a place where their way of doing life no longer matters. The only thing they care about is doing what God says. That's why they're not conformed to this world. They've been transformed by the renewing of their minds. Life is no longer about them. Okay, so, so here, here, here goes. I've got, I've, got, I've got a little bit of time. So, the United States of America, I got mixed emotions. Now, when the Olympics are happening, (laughs) when the Olympics are happening, 
I'm the first one cheering us on. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen, y'all. Listen, I mean, I'm torn. I mean, like, I love America. I've traveled a lot, and I'm telling you, America has it all. Beautiful nation from east to west, from sea to shining sea. I'm serious. There's, there's no, uh, let's thank God right now that we're here. No. Yes, sir. You, yes, sir. Thank you. I know, seriously. Like, I know Cleveland has a bad economy, but y'all not living in Haiti. That's right. You're not in Haiti. You're not in Sudan. You're not in the Congo. You can complain all you want about jobs, and it's hard to listen. You can, you can make it. Listen, up to the Lord have mercy. If you have a chance to make it in the United States of America, there, there are opportunities. As a matter of fact, you can be um, under the poverty limit and still make $19,000 a year from government assistance. Come on, look, y'all. I'm mixed. I'm torn. I'm torn. Seriously. I, I'm about to get critical of the country in a second, but I got to admit, I love the United States of America. Let's tell the truth. Especially us as a people, we've experienced a lot at the hands of this bloodthirsty country. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Christians, Christians came here. They landed on Plymouth Rock for the express purpose, for the express purpose, which I'm going to show. Go to that next slide, of religious freedom. The reason why, and I want to be, I want to hasten to say this. Columbus did not discover America. No, he didn't. Thank you, Taylor Joel Edmonds, for doing your history report. And, and while she was doing it, I said, we got to make that clear. <laughs> Let me get in here for a second. He didn't, uh, I, I can't even celebrate Columbus Day. Come on, say it. It's like, come on. How are you going to discover something where people already are? Come on, say amen. Right? So let's, let's be honest. Uh, there, there, was, there was sort of a good mindset, kind of, to discover, kind of, this country under the auspices of religious freedom. Uh, Europeans were sick and tired of the tyranny of the Roman papacy. And so they fled those countries and came here for one reason. So that people could worship God any way they wanted or if they did not want to worship God. The express, go to the next one, go to the next one. The purpose, next one, the purpose of the United States, it's an experiment. And we are one of the youngest countries on the planet that has experienced such rapid success. Can I tell you why? Because it was prophesied. Because it was prophesied. The whole, God, God blessed this nation for a reason. He blessed this nation for a reason, but the number one, I, I need you to understand this. And, and so, um, like, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you ought to know this. When it comes to voting during elections, historically, as black people, I saw a study the other day, said so the majority of North American Seventh-day Adventists, 45% of them are Democrat. I was shocked by that, especially when I consider some of my other brothers. <laughs> 35% of them are Republicans. Shocking. Very shocking. But anyway, nevertheless, the number one issue, Carl, you understand this, Adventists, when we vote, the thing we're supposed to be looking for, number one, is do they believe in religious freedom? That's it. Other stuff is secondary, like what they do for black people. Are they Democrat or Republican? Hear me now. And when I watch politics, I'm watching language. I'm listening, Dandridge, to see if they believe in the Constitution, in, if they believe in the Declaration of Independence. That's why I get nervous when I hear Adventists criticizing the Supreme Court's decision to let gays be married. 
do I believe that gays should be married? No, but I understand that this country was raised up so that people would not be forced to be Christian or not. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. That's, that's bothering some of y'all today. I, I Listen, you cannot, you cannot have what you're going to see in a minute. See, this text talks about a time soon coming where an image is going to be made to the beast. That first beast is Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism writes in all of its documents that the image, the thing that sets it apart, the thing of its most, its most powerful accomplishment was the change of Saturday to Sunday worship. They claim that as their, as their, as their claim to fame. So the text says that, the, that, that our country, United States of America, which is the second beast that rises up in the late 1700s. Am I on to something here? Around 1776, a document was signed called the Declaration of Independence. July 4th, 1770, another country would rise up and this country would come along and, and the Bible says they would build an image to the previous beast. And it, it would give breath to it. In other words, it's been dormant for a while. Let's bring it alive. What is it? It's not just Sunday. Come on. It's force and coercion. See, Roman Catholicism is evil because it was designed to force people. If you don't do this, you'll be killed. If you don't believe this, you'll be killed. If you don't do this, we'll kick you out. That is the spirit of the image. The spirit of the image is force and coercion. And so as a believer, I don't agree with homosexuality. I don't agree with it. There's a lot. I I don't agree with guns. But but I'm also, but bigger than that, I, I believe that everybody, go to the next slide. No, no, stay right there. Stay right there. I believe, go back. I believe that everybody has a right to be free. Even if their freedom is not what I agree with. Because the very spirit of Christ is to allow people to choose him and not to be forced. Stop running around here talking about the Supreme Court should not have done that. They have a right. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They have a right to get married. Do we believe they should? No. They got a right. They have a right. They have a right. Do we believe that it's tearing down our nation? No. The nation already was tore up. Just because you see it more doesn't mean it hasn't always been around. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The world is going to get worse no matter what the Supreme Court does. But what you should be watching for is when decisions are made to tell people they have to pray in schools. That they have to study their Bible. That they have to go to church. See, we think that's good stuff, but it ain't good if it's done in force. I don't want my kids serving Jesus because I'm a pastor. I want my kids to love God, not because I made them, but because he made them. And they love them. 
We've got to get clear on this as a church. Our main objective is to allow the Holy Spirit to move people and not the government. Church and state ought to forever remain separate. That's real. That's real. And so I, I sympathize with my Islamic brothers. I don't agree what they believe, but I sympathize that they are being judged because a couple of folk blew up some buildings. Uh, don't, don't, don't pick them out of the line at the airport simply because of their religion. <sighs> Go look up the Patriot Act. Go look up the, the, the Patriot Act Part 2, the Enemy Combatant Act. Go look at these things. All these things are designed in these last days to take away your rights. Go look at them tapping your phones. They ought not be tapping your phones. That's not freedom. Look, look what the Declaration of Independence says. And the whole point of the text is, the Bible says that this lamb, would, it would look like a lamb but speak like a dragon. The point is, is that America is going to turn on everything that it stood for. Watch this. Look at what, look at what we stand for, and I'm going to show you how we don't. Declaration of Independence. This is the second sentence. Most of us think this is the whole Declaration of Independence, but it's not. It's just sentence number two. It says, we hold these truths to be self what? That how many? Gay, black, Chinese, black, Chinese, gay, Asian, young, old, all. See, I'm, see, I'm struggling with y'all on this right here. All men are created what? That's one of the first principles of the gospel. Yes, sir. Everybody has been created equal. I'm going to tell you how we all equal because all of us have sinned. There's nobody in here better than nobody, Annie Davis. Y'all better stop talking that foolishness, walking around here with your nose in the air. Are you crazy? Everybody in here ought to go to hell right now. If you're saved, it's not because you are good. You're saved because of his grace. Everybody was created equal. I believe this, y'all, and that they were endowed by their creator with certain what? Go to the next one. Certain unalienable rights. In other words, we were, we were designed to make a choice. That's why God allowed Adam and Eve to choose to sin against him and did not control the outcome. That's why sin started in heaven. God could have controlled the outcome, but love is not control. The reason why there's sin is because there's a God of love. You can't have sin if there's no love. Love creates an environment where sin can take place. The only... Pl- oh, y'all not hearing me. Unalienable rights. I'm free. I'm a free moral agent. Watch this. That among these are what, y'all? Life. Liberty. During the civil rights movement, this is what Martin King hung on. Saying, y'all not living this? Y'all not living this? Y'all treating black people like second-class citizens. I thought all of us were created equal, and I thought all of us had the pursuit of liberty, happiness. I thought all. But know where this comes from. This comes from a biblical concept. This is what the gospel is based on, everybody having a choice. Go to the next one for me. I got to wrap this thing up. U.S. in the gospel. So two points we need to see that are going to be challenged at the last days. And I got to make this point very clear. The issue in the last days, we have to be careful with this. If you look too closely at beasts, then you're going to forget who the problem is. Some of us are watching too closely nations and governments, and we're not watching closely enough our heart. 
The beast that you ought to be afraid of is not the papacy and it's not America. You need to be afraid of yourself. Because there are two principles, there are two principles that Satan is putting at work inside of all of us. That's what the great controversy is based on. I'm going to show you about so, so all been created equal, equality. And the next, all have been created free, liberty of conscience. So check this out. In the United States of America right now, democracy is changing. I don't even know if we have a democracy, to be honest. I mean, they make us feel like we got a democracy. Sometimes, right? Um, freedom to assemble. That's being taken away from people right now. I mean, Ferguson, where else? Yeah, all over this nation, folks being arrested for protests. Uh, what else? Freedom to petition. Seeing that happening with voting. How you going? I can't vote because I have a felony. No, seriously. We don't even question these things. Free speech. <laughs> we live in a PC society now. People can't say nothing no more without folk getting uptight. Y'all know that, especially those of you who are employed someplace. Can't say nothing. America's being hypocritical. What else? Free press. All this stuff. Censorships. That's being challenged. Go to the next slide. I got to move. I got to move. So I want, I want to run through this one more time, and I want to show you some issues, and I'm done. Okay? Here it is. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like, but it spoke like deception. The, Amer the United States of America is going to make a hypocritical move. All the talk of equality and freedom and all that stuff, the Bible prophesies this country is going to take it away. Let me just give you a hypothetical right now. Let's say there were like 10 earthquakes, 10 earthquakes, 10 terrorist attacks. Let's say that there were murders in the street, et cetera, et cetera. Let me tell you what will happen next. People are going to be so afraid that they're going to say, listen, tap our phones. Uh, check us at the airport. Uh, let there be, a, let, let, hey, uh, let's have a police state take away our rights. Did y'all see that with 9-11? Yeah. This stuff they're doing at the airport, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see, when you make people afraid, watch this. When you make them afraid, they will give up their rights. Mm -hmm. right. Y'all better be careful what you give up. Because everything you give up, you're setting yourself up for the great move of the last day. Wow. I got to go, I got to go. Number two, uh, it says, exercise all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. Have you noticed the, the love relationship between America and the Pope? Yes. Now, remember, when this country started, this country started hating the papacy. Right. You, know why, you, know why, you know why people came here? Because they hated the Pope. <laughs> That's why America exists. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, we cool again. I'm just giving you history. All right? It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it may force coercion, the earth, and its inhabitants to do what? Worship the beast whose fatal wound have been healed. Keep going. I got to roll, roll. And it performed great signs, even causing fire, this country, to come down from heaven to earth in full view of people. I've traveled all over this country, and there's, there's Kentucky Fried Chickens, yeah. McDonald's, 
You see kids with Jordans everywhere. I was watching a documentary on Ethiopia the other day, and kids on skateboards. There is no other country on the planet that has a cultural influence like this culture. It's amazing. Even in Europe, people want to be American. When I go to England, they sit there and just want to hear me talk because they like my accent. I mean, have you ever thought, why are we one of the, we're not a big nation, but why do we have so much power? Think about it. Well, we got money. Well, where did it come from? Not anymore. China got all the money, but the Bible don't prophesy nothing about China. The Bible don't prophesy nothing about Russia. Why is it? It's because this country made a declaration that we are going to give people freedom and Satan is going to use that to turn it on its heels. Verse 4 to him, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet what, y'all? Keep going, keep going. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image. We know what the image is. The image is Sunday worship. I'm sorry, yes, it, it is. is. Yes, it is. But it's just an image. It's not the real thing. The real thing that they're behind is trying to force people. See, what's going to happen is, is the world's going to get really, really bad, right? And so people are going to cry out for, for good reason. We need to all go back to church. This is how it's going to go down. This world is wicked. We need to all go back to church. See, you guys are worried about all the wickedness from the Supreme Court. You ought not be afraid of that. You ought to be afraid of people trying to be more religious and force everybody to do it. I'm so tripping like everybody's mad about the, about the gay marriage. Now, you ought to be afraid when the religious right is talking about we need to bring back Sunday blue laws and make everybody go to church. That's not God. Verse 16, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. And we understand through prophecy that nobody has the mark of the beast now. Stop running around saying that. I didn't have time to put those statements in there. Everybody doesn't understand the, the prophetic utterances we've been given. But nobody has the mark yet. Because the test has not come yet. Oh, y'all not hearing me. I told some folks the other day, they were so mad. The Bible says, see, there's a mark and there's a seal. The Bible teaches us, the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches in Ephesians, in Corinthians, in, in 2 Thessalonians, that the seal of God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that puts the law of God in our hearts. And the Sabbath can't be the seal because the Sabbath is just one commandment. That's real. That's real. That's real. I'm being sealed with the Holy Ghost right now. Yes, sir. Read Ephesians uh, uh, 1 and verse 14 where the Bible says, Ye have been sealed with the promised one, the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee and a deposit. What's going to hold me in these last days is not a day, but it's the Holy Spirit inside of me that enables me to keep a day. Let me tell you why it can't be a day. Because if it were a day, that means all the Jews would be saved. If the Sabbath is the seal, then all the Jews would have to be saved because they have Sabbath. But if you have Sabbath and don't have Jesus, if you have Sabbath and don't have the Holy Ghost, if you have Sabbath and don't have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, 
is more than a day. There are two issues at work here, and those issues are love and self. Keep on going. Keep on going. I got to move. Uh, Go on, go on, go on, go on. Yes, now watch this. So, So the whole purpose of Satan is to put pressure on us. Remember the text says, in the last days, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Pressure. All of us are experiencing pressure right now. Let's let's pause for a minute and not talk about the last days. Let's talk about right now. Everybody has pressure. Pressure to compromise. Now, here's the thing. Now, how are you going? Help me, Lord. How are you going to stand in the last days and you don't tithe? You're afraid to tithe. And you think out of nowhere you're going to stand and be willing to be killed? See, everything in our lives is a test. And it's all a test to prepare us for that time that we are coming to where the big test is coming. But if you don't pass these first tests, tests of faith, tests to move forward in God, tests, test after test you're being tested. Tests not just in your finances, but tests in your Sabbath observance. You mean to tell me that in the last days, when they start telling people, if you don't keep Sunday, you're going to be killed. That then, all of a sudden, you're going to keep the Sabbath because you know it's the Sabbath? If you won't take off work now. We, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I grew up with this. We think that because we know everything that's going to happen, that somehow we're just going to get ready real quick. But the Bible does not say it is knowledge that's going to save. It said it's wisdom. Wisdom is doing what is right even though it costs you. Wisdom is making sacrifices for God now. Wisdom is serving the Lord even if it makes you uncomfortable. Even if it makes you inconvenienced. You think Because you know the commandments that you're not going to compromise when you compromise now. Many of us have all kind of character defects and think that when that time comes, somebody put a gun to our head, we're going to be like, I'm willing. Holy Spirit puts a gun to your head every day and you disrespect him. It's your gossiping mouth, complaining spirit. Won't help nobody. Won't minister to nobody. And then out of nowhere, no, for real, out of nowhere, you're going to see on CNN, Sunday Blue Law Pass, all right, y'all, let's get ready. No, it don't work like that. You have lived a consistent pattern of disobedience. You just ain't going to change overnight. The purpose of prophecy is to live right now. How do I know that there's yoke in there? Somebody tell me, how do I know there's yoke in there? Because you crack it open. And how will we know what's inside of any of us? We don't know now, but when you put pressure on us, that's when you know stuff comes out. The true you comes out when pressure gets put on you. And this is, I love, I love the Lord. See, the Lord is allowing all these things to happen in prophecy in order to put as much pressure on us as possible because he is desirous of Christ coming out inside of us. But for many of us, self is the only thing that oozes out. Go on to the next one. I got to get out of here. So here are the two principles in the last days. Just pause for a minute. I know, I know Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, 
What, ask yourself this question. What's going to cause a person, and we know this is going to happen, who knows all the commandments, who knows all the teachings in the last days when they say, listen, whoever does not keep these laws shall be killed. Do, no, really, do you really think that just knowing what is right is going to keep you in that day? No, no, no. You know what's going to keep you? It's going to be, see, your whole life you've lived sacrificially. See, your whole life you could care less about death. Your whole life you care less about yourself. I got to go. Three Hebrew boys. All right, so three Hebrew boys. Y'all know, I got to fast forward. Three Hebrew boys. Y'all remember that story? Now, it's funny because in this text, it talks about an image, right? That's an illusion to Daniel chapter 3. That's an illusion to Daniel chapter 3. Y'all know what happened in Daniel chapter 3, right? You have three Hebrew boys who had great privilege and power and political influence in Babylon. Babylon is always using the Bible to describe the enemies of God. So y'all know what happens in the story, right? God says, uh, I mean, mean, Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I'm going to build me an image. I want everybody to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, worshipers of who? Of God. The Bible says, at the sound of the music, I want everybody to bow down. I I used to love uh, the VeggieTales one, the bunny. <laughs> Man, I, love it. I mean, I mean, I just love that. I mean, just I mean the way they graphically portrayed that thing, and and, and everybody, I and mean, you got to think now, you got to remember. Are you mean to tell me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who's, who remains, who stood and would not bow down, are you telling me that they're the only believers? Yeah, and the Bible says everybody from every kingdom was there. Three three people out of millions, and only three people stood. Same thing in the last days. Whole churches are going to hell. Whole churches. They won't stand for God now. Three people out of a... <laughs> I hope it ain't this church. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Don't, 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 listen, look at the pressure. They, they were about to lose everything. Some of us, listen, we're so afraid to lose in this life. But the Bible says, if I lose it in this life, I'll gain it in that life. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The thing that the church struggles with the most is self-centeredness that hinders it from making sacrifices to do the things that God told it to do. This is the mindset of a person that is preparing itself for the threat of death. I love this Oregon story, right? You know, the guy who goes and asks folks that they're Christians. Man, can can you imagine being number two? You know, first person he goes to and says, are you a Christian? Boom! Blood everywhere. You're number two. Number one, you don't know no better. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Maybe he thought he was life was going to be spared, right? But you're person number two. (laughs) Now, this is just like the three Hebrew boys, right? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I'm saying, uh, you know what hymn comes to mind? Lord, I want to be a Christian. In my heart. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Hey, 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 I, in my heart. In my heart. They don't got to know. As long as I'm a Christian in my heart. <laughs> huh? Compromise. Number two. Are you a Christian? I am amazed by this. I'm amazed by this. Yes. And you won't even give up a little self to go visit somebody, to go meet a new member, 
to invite somebody to your house to eat, to go to the shelter, to go to the men's home. I'm talking and it's quiet. Yes, so I'm going to stay yes, right sir. here. Yes, sir. Hmm? Come on. To go over to the tent meeting in Euclid. Yes, sir. Too far. No, seriously, you think that that kind of mindset is a mindset that's going to be ready for plagues. I got to preach the truth. I don't care what y'all tell me. I want y'all to be saved. And a mindset of self-preservation will not, cannot save us. Because you're all on the altar of sacrifice. Those three Hebrew boys looked at him. Oh, I love this. The king said, look, <clears throat> I'm going to give you another chance. <clears throat> One more chance. I said, when you hear the sound of the music, get down. I'm assuming that you didn't hear me. Orchestra started up again. <clears throat> Shadrach looked at Meshach. Meshach looked at Abednego. Do you see that fiery furnace over there? Do you see the threat of death over there? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Oh, king, we have heard you very clearly in this matter. But if our God, who is able to deliver us, decides not to. See, the Bible teaches <laughs> perfect love casts out fear see that's why you ought not be afraid of God and your finances and afraid to trust God with your health and afraid to trust God with your ministry and afraid to trust God in doing what he called you to do because you realize that perfect love you know he loves you you know that he will come through if he wants to you know that he is a God that is able and you mean to tell me that if you love him, if you serve him, if you know he loves you, that you can't make a sacrifice for him? Perfect love takes the fear out. Those boys said, do with us what you want. Now, here's the good news. Anytime you make a stand for God, it is always the prerequisite for a miracle. The reason why many of you don't see no miracles is because you won't step out on faith for nothing. You won't, you, won't, you won't put yourself on the edge where you can't see nothing. How, tell me that those boys could see their deliverance. They saw a furnace and then they saw him set it seven times hotter. And then they saw the men that were supposed to throw them in die. Oh. But I'm telling you, when you look death in the mouth, when you look your trial in the face, when you look your problem in the eye, when you stand on the edge of your breakthrough, when you say, I don't care what the outcome is, I'm going to serve the Lord. Anyhow, that is the time when God's blessings will begin to show themselves. That's when miracles happen. That's when the Red Sea opens up. That's when blinded eyes are open. And the Bible says when they were thrown in, they rolled around. They stood up. The Bible says that the flames, the only thing it burned was the things that bound them. 
Oh, the reason why you're still bound is because you're scared to go in the furnace. You're scared to go in affliction. You're scared to step out on the things of God. And that old king looked and said, One. Shadrach is accounted for. Two. I see Meshach. Three. That's Abednego. Who is that? Hey, I got to go. But let me just tell you, you know where Jesus is? He's he's in your furnace. Hallelujah. Where is Jesus? He's not out in safety. He's waiting in your problem. Where is Jesus? He's in the middle of your storm. Where is Jesus? He's in the middle of your catastrophe. But you got to go through it. You've got to experience it. You got to walk on through. He said, I see a fourth man and it looks like the son of God. Some of us shout on that. We love that. But we never experienced that in our own lives. Because we're so scared. Fear. The Lord has shown me and shown us through the word. There's going to be two different kinds of people in the last days. Courageous folk and scared folk. Courageous folk and cowards. Those who accept the mark will not be deceived. Listen, and now some of us didn't know this. Nobody in the last days going to hell is going to be deceived. Study the spirit of prophecy. They're going to make a choice. They're going to make a choice in clear tones. Nobody's going to be deceived into hell. They're going to make a choice. Are we not taught that? That the test is going to be so clear, Christ or Satan, that the whole world will be able to make an intelligent choice. The mark in my head. Come on. And cowards and courageous. Self-centered, selfless. Those who believe in self-preservation and those who believe in self-sacrifice. At the time of the decree, Ellen White says, go to the next one, loss. At the time of the decree, Ellen White says that the decree, watch this, y'all. Watch that, Carl. Is not to be urged upon the people blindly. No one is going to be deceived at that time. That's right. They're going to make a choice. And you know what they're going to make their choice on? Whether they're afraid or whether they're not. Whether they believe that their God will take care of them or whether they believe that they cannot trust him. But just shall live by faith. I got to go. He got to go. Everyone is to have sufficient life to make what kind of a decision? Great controversy, 605, paragraph 9.